the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Understanding your processes, understanding what your core technologies are in order to move things along, that's huge. And then if you hate doing a certain task every day, just start thinking about automating. I hate doing the accounting. So that was a big one for us is to be able to move these things through because we have so many clients and we handle all these transactions. That's huge, you know, especially from a small firm side. Run your law firm. The right, way. the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. Hey, Jim. How you doing, bud? Tyson, I'm doing well, man. Had a good break over the weekend for Thanksgiving and... Uh, I was interested to see that we did not make the top 100 podcasts on the ABA Journal's survey this year, and I think it's really interesting that we did not. I think last year our good friend Larry Weinstein sort of led a little campaign to have everyone vote for us, and I think that goes to show you that I don't know that we've gotten any dumber over the last year or that our outreach has gone down at all. I just think it sort of shows that that thing is sort of a game to be played. That is really interesting. Listen, this is not by any means tooting our horn, but there's no way we're not in the top 100. Okay, 100 podcasts is a lot of podcasts, and there's no chance in hell that we are not in the top 100. And so you're absolutely right. So whoever's listening to these things, I guess they're not listening to them, is I guess my real point. But that's a little frustrating because that's the first time hearing that. So I actually sort of thought we were a shoe in, but that's fine. Whatever. We've got a, an amazing following and, and lots of lots of great guests and, and great Facebook groups. So I'm, I guess I'm not too bitter, but I'm a little bitter about it. So my Thanksgiving was great too. I went to Disney World last week, so that was that was pretty awesome. I had a lot of fun doing that. So things been great. So you had to sort of rain on my parade with this top 100 BS, but uh, I'm glad about it. I don't care about what the ABA says. I think it just shows those guys just sit around giving each other awards, and so I, I think that our podcasts and our movement is so much more practical. And, you know, I get what they're trying to do over there, but I just think they're pretty clueless when it comes to how small firms run things. That's a good point. I mean, the ABA is, is more of, I think, a big firm type of thing. It's not really a, a solo small firm kind of thing. And I guess I could be wrong, but I, I don't think I, I am wrong about that. So our guest today is Connor Malloy. 
And the reason why we're having Connor on is someone had put something on the Facebook group about Zapier and how people were using their zaps, which, and that's something I'm interested in. And, and there was some buzz about that question, and people had some questions about basically what is Zapier and how do you use it. And Connor apparently is a magician when it comes to Zapier. So, Connor, before we jump into that conversation, though, tell us a little bit about you, yourself, your firm, and what you do. Sure. So my name is Connor Malloy. I'm a partner at a two-man law firm here in Chicago called Shy City Legal. So my partner, John, is uh, the only other guy that mans the office with me. And, you know, there's some pros and cons to that where, you know, it's, it's a good relationship that we have, but we don't have any other support staff. So once upon a time when we talked about putting this firm together, we had to pick sort of a practice area. And we leaned on landlord-tenant law and mostly dealing with landlord-side matters in eviction court. One of the things that I have sort of a background in is tech and uh, implementing certain software with some light coding intermixed. And the problem that we were looking to solve is a lot of the market was eaten up by firms representing large property management groups. And what you would have is a bunch of self-represented landlords prodding into court every day and filing their own evictions, prosecuting their own cases because they thought they were they were priced out of traditional legal services. And the traditional legal services probably didn't really want them as clients because you know, the point of contact, the amount of legal issues probably didn't really uh, have a good marker for them. So what we had to do was be able to tailor our services to deal with a lot of clients. It is a bulk practice and be able to handle the workflows associated with it. So that's how we started Shy City Legal and really started to explore different options for automating certain processes and creating certain flows. And that's where Zapier kicked in. Connor, I was very excited when I heard you talking. I now have someone to refer my mother-in-law to in Chicago. She has a two-family in Rogers Park, and she's always, my wife and I are licensed in Illinois. She's always trying to get us to handle her evictions from here in St. Louis, yeah. which of course <laughs> makes no sense. Talk to us, <laughs> talk to us about how you use technology in interacting with clients in such a bulk practice. Sure. So, yeah, in a myriad of ways, you know, whether they're either not our clients yet and they're still prospective clients or they are our clients. A lot of times they're interfacing with some sort of technology that we've put into place. So for example, when we get back from court and we like to update our clients, it's because it's a big thing to have transparency, especially for people, you know, their buildings and their properties, they're their babies. And so when they're intimately involved in their, in their previous legal actions and they're now trying to open up the trust to an attorney, you want to be able to keep them in the loop. So one of the things that we do is we go to our Trello board. If nobody's used Trello before, it's essentially digital sticky notes. And you just kind of pass them around through this platform and it's free. We use that as our practice management system and we interface it with it to give ourselves certain updates you know, to be able to communicate between each other and to be able to hit certain milestones, like your case has been filed or an attorney filed an appearance in the case or we got your eviction order. And anytime we sort of check off these little boxes and they're literal boxes on Trello, those will trigger an action in Zapier that's listening for that certain trigger. And that will then send out 
either an email, it can, you know, Zapier can interface with Gmail, send out a, a sort of a scripted email that's tailored to that action, or for some of our clients and you know, some are older and don't embrace technology as much, it can either send out a, a Twilio uh, script, which will actually call them and give them, give them an update. Or for some people that just like text, it'll push through a text. So that's one of the, the big ways that we deal with it because we could have anywhere between you know, 15 and 25 cases. And if we were on the phone doing the same script for each person throughout the day, even for five to 15 minutes, we'd block out our day. There wouldn't be much left to do. So Connor, I can't remember what number of zaps you said you have in your account. It was, it was quite a bit. It's a lot more than I have for sure. But I, mean, I want to step back for a second. What is a zap that you think the listeners would find most useful? So first, when it comes to Zapier, it's just essentially you're creating like sort of a a more functional Rube Goldberg machine, right? If anybody watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure and how he made breakfast in the morning, you know, it's all these different devices connecting with each other in order to produce a product. So what Zapier does is it interconnects apps. And, you know, just put this out there, I'm not paid by Zapier or anything else. I'm just sort of a profit when it comes to Zapier. Let's say you have, you introduce an app to it like, Gmail. All right. What do you want Gmail to do? What do you want it to listen for? Well, I want it to listen for certain tags in an email or certain text in an email or certain email from certain people. And once you do that, what do you want to do with that email? Do you want to automatically download it and save it in your Google Drive? Do you want to you know, take that new person that it might not recognize and add it to your MailChimp list? It can do you know, all sorts of actions when it comes to that. So it's a series of triggers in a series of actions that follow that initial trigger. And right now we're using, the last time I checked and I haven't had, well, actually I did add a couple. It's now 137 zaps and the usually creates about three to 5,000 actions per week. So these are actions that are taking place that don't have any human intervention. I'm not relying on somebody at the office to be able to take data from point A to point B manually which can be fraught with errors and, and the like. So that's huge for us to be able to do it. One of my favorite uh, zaps that I have right now is it's relatively simple. When we do an update to a client, I have some pre-scripted text there. And at the end, it says, you know, if you do want to talk with us, you know, we get it, they're, they're automated email. If you do want to talk with us about your matter in order to get in the queue, you know, just respond to this email with, I want my lawyer to call me. And so what Zapier does is it listens for that email. And then what it's going to do is that certain text will trigger an action, which will then send a new email. It's going to CC my partner because he handles the daily operations and usually client interfaces. And it'll also CC an artificial intelligence that we use from x.ai. Her name is Amy. She's our assistant of sorts. And Amy will then set up a call between the client and my partner. And then poof, on his schedule will appear some sort of a, a time that fits within what he's, the parameters he's given to Amy. And again, nobody had to set up that call. We're not going back and forth with the client or cold calling them, not getting a hold of them, and then disrupting our workflow throughout the day. So it's a very simple one, but I can't tell you how much time that probably saves throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year when you start adding this stuff up. It's amazing. Tyson loves to tease me about software that I used to use that I don't use anymore. I think he used Amy for a while. But 
Connor, my question for you is, as you walk through your day or as you interact with your partner and you come across new things that you might zap or that you might automate, what's your mindset? Like, what are you looking for? How do you spot issues that you think you can automate? And then how do you ramp up automation once you've decided that's something you want to do? So, yeah, all this started with one zap, right? You know, we, we were just moving from from one thing to the other or what would make sense. And, and really, a lot of it dealt with document automation. You know, we would input client data into our system and, you know, through a, a gravity form, it, it's like a jot form, Google Sheet type of thing. And that would push that data to somewhere else that we could then use as a reservoir for populating documents. That was the big thing. So it's really sitting down, knowing your processes. You know, eviction law is, is right for this because it, it's not terribly complex. You can easily map out sort of a workflow. And then as you experience that workflow, to be able to identify various choke points that you might have and say, okay, well, how do we grease the skids between point A's, B's, and C's? Maybe you don't need it that B anymore. Maybe you go you know, straight to F, I guess. So that was the big thing for us because my partner, he knew all about eviction law. I knew nothing about it before we got together. And he walked me through things. And we, we just process math, you know, just taking everything. Well, what happens if this doesn't happen? What happens if this does, but happens in, in such and such a way? And just working through probable workflows and somewhat possible workflows. And then to say, all right, well, what's our core of, of technology that we use? Trello is our, is our backbone. And, you know, Trello talks to Google Sheets. How do we make those, you know, the, the data flow between those in a very simple way? So understanding your processes, understanding what your core technologies are in order to move things along, that's huge. And then if you hate doing a certain task every day, <laughs> start thinking about automated. I hate doing the accounting. So that was a big one for us is to be able to move these things through because we have so many clients and we handle all these transactions and just being able to say, all right, you know, let's move through this $78.50 transaction through without a whole lot of to do. That's huge, to, you know, especially from a small firm side. Connor, I think some people might be listening to this and they may have already just turned it off because they think, oh my gosh, it's too technical. Um, I don't have the skills to do this. Can you talk a little bit about the skill set required to set up something like what you have set up just to sort of ease the discomfort some people might be having right now? I do have a self-taught tech background, right? And so you know, that's just showing my hand on this one. However, you know, as we go throughout the day as attorneys, you know, we have billables that we need to hit. You, know, you have to be able to keep the lights on and all that jazz. So the technology that I'm looking at and, and the things that I'm looking to embrace are either low code or no code options. So the you know, to be able to approach it and at least take a look at something where if you're already dealing with filters, let's say, in Gmail or in Outlook, you know, things that you are familiar with, well, if you're doing filters, you're essentially creating workflows. You're creating technological flows of your data. So if that's something that you're comfortable with or even macros in Word, yeah, you know, these are these are the kind of things where you could easily bridge that gap into into something like Zapier or other, you know, Microsoft Flow is out there. If this then that is another option. But it's all what you see, what you get. You know, the interface couldn't be any more simpler. And just starting with a a little a little nugget of of automation 
and then saying, that's pretty cool. I'll let that ride for, for a few days, you know, see if I need to revisit it or even maybe build on it and connect something to another thing. And eventually, a lot of my zaps, because it was early limitations of Zapier, were just one thing triggering another. And then that one thing triggered another and would eventually go about 15 steps deep as the as the data proliferated across devices and other software that we use. So, you know, every book is read with the first page and or the first word. Every you know sort of trek is with the first step and Zapier is with the first with the first zap and just the kind of exploring what the software is. And it's free to begin with. Connor, I think one of the things that some of our listeners might be skittish about is this idea that automation might run wild and all these inappropriate or incorrect messages might be sent to people or that triggers might malfunction. What can you say to put our listeners at ease on that? And so that's one of the things, sort of the approach that I take is, you know, with, uh, I'm not well-versed in sort of agile development. It's something that's sort of natural with sort of baby steps of putting something into play and then, you know, sort of making small modifications along the way. There are tools built into it that, you know, if if you're going to say, hey, I want you to start listening for email coming in, or I want you to start listening for updates made to certain rows in a spell in a spreadsheet you can just sort of you don't have to turn it on right away you can start collecting data and seeing what that data looks like in a very accessible fashion and then start interfacing that and zapier does a, a great job of, of debugging things where you can say all right i want to try this test piece of data all right so here's an email from joe smith i want to be able to take joe and smith and parse those out into first name and last name, and then input that into you know, my Christmas card list or something. So you can just kick that off, see what that looks like, and then maybe you get another email you know, from you know, Sally Johnson. Okay, I'll try that one. And then as you start to see that you know, things are getting parsed out correctly and the data is coming in right, then you can say, well, I'm going to turn this zap on. It's just going to go full tilt, and it's going to start collecting all those emails and populating your spreadsheet with that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can dip your little toesies in the water and, you know, before you decide to take the big plunge. So Connor, on the, on the Zapier's website, they've got this cool little tool where, you know, and you, I'm sure, you, I guarantee you know this, but saying this for the listeners, where you can plug in all the different things that you use, like Gmail and cal- Calendar and Facebook. You can, you can plug in all these different things and it sort of gives you these awesome tool like connections where it shows you how they're connected and what you can do with them. So I think it's a really cool tool, but in your opinion, it may not be the best place for people to start. So where do you think people should start when it comes to getting started with Zapier? I think it's getting comfortable. First of all, if you are using a practice management system, you know, and there are a few that uh, Zapier embraces or that embrace Zapier, I guess, as it would go. Clio is out there. That That's a big one. Practice Panther also plays nicely with Zapier. So, you know, sort of understanding what types of things will trigger Zapier, you know, from your practice management software. So if I add a new matter, what will that do? What sort of data is is getting passed through when I when I do that? It, and so where do I want that data to be, you know, to be sent? One of the big ones that I did at the beginning in a prior practice was when I would update Clio, 
I would automatically take those numbers and, and names and update my Android phone list. And so now, you know, when they would call me, it was, it was just as easy to have it where I would see them right there within a, within a few minutes of getting that data entered. That was a beautiful thing to have. Just like little ins and outs where you, you, know, you catch yourself doing the same boring stuff over and over again. And then seeing wh- how that data can be supplied from whatever you're interfacing with throughout the day. But th- those are great templates that they have to see, you know, how things play nicely with each other and, and how the, the data is exchanged across various platforms. Are there things that you've stopped automating, Connor? You know, that's, that's one of the tricky things is if you do a deep dive, you know, what I described at the beginning was we had a problem that was in need of a solution. Sometimes, you have sort of the solution of well, automation and automation will reign supreme. And you're now looking for the problem. Those are the tricky ones where they don't require probably some automation and they're silly to overreaching architecture to put it into place. But there are automations that I put into place that get trumped by other more efficient automations. So for example, the one I posted on the Facebook page was an old workflow that we were using and it was parsing out data a certain way. And then I figured out just a simple way of reformatting the, the date and time on something rather than having Zapier do it for me. So it's one of those things where you do have to invest time. In it. It, it, that's absolutely true. And you know, people should have no illusions about that, that like anything else in practice development, whether you're out doing a continuing legal education or you know shaking hands at a at a networking event, this is part of your of your practice development, and it, there are dividends that are received from it. But you know, just baby steps into it, and you may come across some things that just can't be automated. That that's for certain. But if you're using certain technology platforms throughout your day, and you know if, even if that's an Excel spreadsheet. In Gmail, there's a way for those things to play nicely and uh, grease the skids across those platforms to be able to improve your processes. All right, Connor. I could probably talk to you about Zapier all day just to pick your brain on things, but I'm not going to because I know I want to make sure we get you out of here on time. Before we do, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group because topics like this are going on every single day, so make sure you request and join there. And also, if you don't mind giving us a five-star review, on iTunes or where to get your podcast. That would be really appreciative of that. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? So my hack of the week is something I've been thinking about in our marketing. One of our new attorneys in the office decided she wanted to shoot her first YouTube video and she wanted to um, be on our channel, which was fun and exciting. And she, she made her video. And I remember when she started the video, she said, hey, everybody, this is Ashley. And she talked as if she was talking to a whole group. And I remembered that it's really important when we do our marketing, whether it's an email newsletter or a video, to always act as if we're talking to one person. I think that when we try to broadcast our message or it sounds like we're shouting, that really people don't care that there's other people listening or reading, that they really just want that inter- that one-on-one interaction. So in all the marketing that we do and all the, the talking that we do, always, when you can, uh, speak to one person. And if you can come up with an avatar and who that person might look like or be, that's that's even better. Jim, I think that is maybe one of the better tips you've ever given. 
Ha. <laughs> All right, Connor, you know the routine. What is your tip or hack of the week? For my hack of the week? It's uh, just to kind of go back into what I was discussing. It's know thy processes. And then that's where you can begin to, to delve in. And you might find some stuff where you're banging your head against the wall wondering why you ever did it that way. Jim, Connor's is better than yours. That's a good tip. So my <laughs> tip of the week is actually I was standing in line at Disney World waiting for the Little Mermaid ride. And this woman in front of us just randomly, we had not had one, we had not exchanged one word with her. She turns around, she says, can you believe the iPhone does this? And we're like, what? Like, just out of the blue. And I had never known this. So whenever you all are typing on your iPhone, so this is for people that are not Android people, this is described from people. So when you're typing a text message or an email, and let's say you misspell a word or you you have to type in another letter somewhere else, and you have to you have to hold down your finger and sort of drag it, it can sort of be complicated. Well, there's a function on your iPhone where if you hold down the space bar and drag it from side to side, it moves your cursor bar, which is a huge benefit. So, and I had no idea it did that. And so she was so excited that she wanted to share with some random people. So I'm sharing with you all. I've used it a ton since she showed it to me. So hopefully that will ease some of your old frustration when it comes to editing emails and text messages and Facebook posts. So that is my tip of the week. Connor, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your knowledge. It's been great. Thanks for having me. I look forward to talking to people on uh, the Facebooks, the threads. Thanks, Connor. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.